0: Welcome to Tim Stodd's FM, a place to share new ideas, speak freely, and continuously find ways to live our best lives. And now your host, Tim Stoddard. What's up, everyone? My name is Tim Stoddard. Welcome to Tim Stodd's FM. Thank you so much for joining me. Today is March 5th, 2018. I hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. We did some juicing this morning, and we spilled some beet juice on the counter, and it stained the counter. I had no idea that beets could stain like kitchen counters. It's unbelievable. I scrubbed it over and over again. I can't get this like red hue off my countertop. But I'll get it, don't worry. It just requires a little bit of elbow grease. Yeah, I had a pretty good weekend. I watched Mad Men. I've already seen the entire series of Mad Men, and uh, Don Draper is one of my all-time favorite TV characters. And my fiance got really into it, and we just finished up season three last night. So things are getting pretty crazy. Things are getting real. Don Draper is a mad. He's a maniac. I almost said he's a madman, but I thought that would be too cliche. All right, let's get right to it. Today's episode is brought to you by Bright Sellers. Go to brightsellers.com. Discover your wine experience. Brightsellers is the monthly wine club that matches you with wine that you'll love. Take your taste palette quiz to see your personalized matches. Sounds pretty sweet to me. You take your quiz, you view your matches, and then you get boxes of wine every month. I mean, <laughs> seems like a really cool service. brightsellers.com. Check it out. So let's get right into it. We got some great stories for you today. We're going to start off with a story about Harvard's endowment. It turns out, Harvard's endowment is a little smaller than usual. I say we blame it on the tomato, the sugar, and the eucalyptus profitability in Brazil. So, Harvard University gets cocky, loses $1 billion. Harvard is very, very well endowed. Driven largely by alumni donations, the elite private college maintains a fund of approximately $37.1 billion. Oh my god. For reference, that's more than six times the size of one of Silicon Valley's biggest venture capital firms, Excel Partners. Like any other large fund, Harvard has finance managers who are tasked with investing this capital in Spartan in smart, responsible ways. But recently, this hasn't worked too well for the old Ivy. So I know what you're thinking. What's an endowment? Well, first, let's do a quick primer on endowments. Simply put, an endowment is a fund created by public and private universities from the donations they receive. Each year, 4 to5% of endowment is withdrawn to fund things like financial aid programs, professorships, and new buildings, the rest of the fund, which in Harvard's case amounts to billions of dollars, and is invested as a way to generate a permanent source of income. Many universities prefer to play it safe and invest their endowments long term in index funds, which match or track parts of a market index like the S&P. But Harvard's financial geniuses thought they had a better idea. Look, guys, I got three words for you. Brazilian tomato farms. In the wake of the Great Recession, Harvard's Endowment Fund suffered huge losses and set out to diversify its portfolio. Their grand solution, investing in tomato, sugar, and eucalyptus farms in the impoverished but then growing northeastern reaches of Brazil. According to Bloomberg, Harvard's brightest minds thought the farmers' profits could outstrip those of conventional stocks and bonds. Well, they were wrong. It didn't work out, and last year, Harvard reported a $1.1 billion decrease in the value of its natural resources portfolio. It's still the biggest, but not the baddest. One thing Harvard's risky investment strategies have earned them, the worst average return of any Ivy League endowment fund. Over the past 10 years, the school has eked out a 4.4 return, nearly half of that of MIT and less than the composite average of 809 U.S. colleges. I thought these guys were supposed to be smart. So listen to this. Despite their poor performance, they paid out in excess of $240 million to their endowment fund managers between 2010 and 2014 some of whom earned as much as $13 million per year. So even though these managers lost $1.1 billion of the endowment fund, they still made, collectively, in between the years of 2010 and 2014, $240 million. How do I get that job? Our second story... South Korea reduces its work week to 52 hours. This week, South Korea passed a bill to reduce the country's maximum work week from 68 hours to 52. My goodness, 68 hours. Well, I bet America is not far behind. They did this to boost the quality of life and population growth. South Korea has one of the lowest birth rates in the world, due in part to their workaholic culture. For context, the average employee in South Korea works 2,069 hours a year, about 40 hours per week in a 50-week working year, compared to the United States, 1,783, about 35 hours per week. But we're tired. South Koreans have been working themselves to the bone. Since the South Korean economy started flourishing in the 80s, its citizens have embraced a work-hard, work-hard lifestyle. South Korea workers have the third longest work week in the world compared to other developed economies, excluding China and India. And even though employees' annual time spent working fell nearly 500 hours since 2000, South Koreans work 400 more hours a year than the employees in the United Kingdom. It seems that cutting back seems reasonable, but businesses aren't into it. Under the previous law, weekends weren't counted as working days, meaning companies could legally squeeze in an extra 16 working hours out of the people per week completely unpenalized. But with the new bill, the standard work week will be 40 hours, plus 12 hours of overtime, weekends included. And those extra overtime wages will cost businesses an estimated $11 billion per year to maintain the same productivity. If you need us, we'll be hiding in the break room. Our third story. DoorDash raises $535 million, is now worth $1.4 billion. Food delivery startup DoorDash has raised more than half a bill in a new funding round led by SoftBank, which now values the company at $1.4 billion. DoorDash originally saw $200 million but a bidding war erupted between SoftBank and some of the other investors including one of their return backers GIC. Cut two. DoorDash strutting down the street with a big wad of cash burning a hole in their wallet. Yeah. So what's your angle here SoftBank? SoftBank has made it pretty obvious how they feel about the budding on-demand economy. Recently backing the money truck up companies like Wag Oh, I screwed that up. Recently backing the money truck up to companies like Wag and Uber. Beep 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 with their new investment, the firm now has a stake in two food delivery companies, DoorDash and Uber Eats, and Axios speculates the latest move could signal a future acquisition. Yeah, but does it travel? DoorDash is the fresh stages of highly promising market. According to their co-founder and CEO Tony Zhu, only 5% of U.S. restaurant takeout is currently scheduled online, which means the market is green and growing for the company and their competitors. And DoorDash is well aware of this. With the money, they plan to increase their corporate headcount from 550 to around 800 while expanding to nearly triple the cities they are currently operating in from 600 to 1,600. No pumping the brakes on this delivery company. Pedal to the metal. Finally, $3 billion mapping, mapping company here is making moves with Never Labs Robotics. Here, That's the name of the company, by the way. Confused me at first as well. Here, the massive 33-year-old map tech platform no one's heard of has agreed to a robotics partnership with Navar Labs to expand their autonomous indoor mapping coverage using 3D technology. Navar Labs specializes in image recognition robots and indoor mapping technology. Great, so another way that robots are going to take over the world. Anyway, which here plans to use to generate and update the maps on their platform automatically and ultimately sell those maps to companies developing autonomous tech. What's the deal with here? Previously owned by Nokia, the mapping and location services company sold for $2.8 billion to Audi, BMW, and Daimler Car Consortium in 2015. Since then, other high-profile companies have sneakily bought in, including Intel, who's purchased a 15% stake in here at the beginning of last year to improve their autonomous car tech. And now, here we are. Labs' 3D indoor mapping robot will collect data using laser scanners and cameras that will then upload to HERE's platform while another Never Labs droid named Around will roam the given area to keep information current. The pair will start mapping high traffic areas like airports and train stations first with plans to expand and once the maps exist on HERE's platform can sell them for big bucks to companies building out location-based apps and other autonomous services that rely on indoor navigation. Alright, let's get into some shower thoughts. 1. The floor is lava if you go deep enough. 2. When you put on a shirt, you go in one hole and out three. Three, the mirror on the wall was the original Amazon Echo. (laughs) Four, you never realize the importance of a bath mat until you don't have one. It's very true, actually. My bath mats were in the wash this weekend. Five, we were going to write a time traveling joke, but you guys didn't like it. All right, let's learn a little bit more about Bright sellers, shall we? This podcast was brought to you by Bright Sellers. Go to brightsellers.com. How two MIT grads unlocked the code to perfect wine pairings. It all starts with a quiz and how you take your chocolate. After graduating MIT, the Bright Sellers founders found themselves dumbstruck in the wine aisle. They had absolutely no idea which wines they'd even like. That's never happened to me, by the way. I would just grab one and drink it. So the two wannabe sommeliers set out to crack the secrets of the grapevine with science. After vigorous research, the duo created the Bright Cellars Wine Quiz, a quiz that uses a proprietary wine scoring algorithm to match wines perfectly to your palate. Bright Cellars, the OG master of wine matchmaking, like a personal sommelier, The Bright Cellars Wine Quiz uses your favorite flavors of chocolate, coffee, and liquor to nail down your wine soulmates. Each month, you get four bottles of hand-selected wine tailored to your specific tastes. And Bright Cellars has so much confidence in their scientific method that if a bottle doesn't trickle your taste buds, they'll send you a free replacement in your next shipment. Curious which wines are your perfect match? Take the quiz. And see for yourself, readers of The Hustle get 50% off their first order. You can find the link to that at the show notes or you can go to thehustle.co slash daily. That's all we got for today's episode. If you have any questions, feel free to reach me directly. At tim at stodzy.com. You can go to timstads.com and fill out a contact form. I always reply. Thank you so much for your time and your attention. Thank you for all the kind words and the compliments I've been getting on my podcast. And I shall talk to you later. Peace out. Hey guys, it's me. It's Tim. One last time before we wrap up. Just wanted to say thank you for tuning into the podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. Please leave me an honest rating. Please follow me on Spotify. It's the best thing you can do to support the show. If you want to find out more, go to timstods.com. Feel free to fill out the contact form to reach out to me personally. I always respond. I appreciate you guys so much. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.